Welcome to Nanny ABC's Next Step Podcast, a series of interviews and monologues featuring the leaders of the at-home child care industry created to elevate agencies, caregivers, and the families they serve. Nanny ABC's Next Step Podcast is here to provide you with the child care industry best practices to be clear, concise, and immediately applicable. Here's the host, Danny J. Nanny, author, speaker, and creator of the Next Step System for Agencies. Hi, and welcome to Nanny ABC's Next Step. I'm your host, Danny J. Nanny. And as always, this episode is powered by the Next Step system for agencies, families, and caregivers, activating and engaging caregivers with ongoing career development to lower recruiting costs, reduce labor loss, create loyalty, build caregiver communities, and make higher quality placements faster. It mostly just makes it easier to be a nanny. This week, I completed and submitted my article for APNA, that's the Association of Premier Nanny Agencies, and I am honored to have my article as the first one for 2021, and I'm grateful that they let me turn it in in late December. Shout out to Elizabeth Pearson, Shada Lambert, and Shannon Parola for helping me complete the article. They gave me notes and feedback. It was great. And they're all guests of the pod, actually. They're great friends now. They're on episode 1, 12, and 17. You should listen to them. You probably already have, but listen to them. They're really insightful. I really enjoyed talking to all three of those. Uh, like I enjoy talking to everyone on here, but some people I really stay in contact with, and those are three that I do. This week, I also took some time off, and while I tried to fit in some relaxation, and I did, I also completed and pounded out more courses for the Nanny ABC's Next Step program. I, I also did relax. I, I watched the Batman Returns, and I played this game uh, based on the CTA that's really similar to Uno, but I'll let the courts decide how close it is. Uh, This week, this week, though, I spoke with Kristen Smook, creator of Tiny Hands Learning, a company to teach families how to cultivate early communication with their children through American Sign Language and combining her three passions, being an educator, a sign language interpreter, and most importantly, being a mom. Tiny Hands Learning is a fast-growing company because people are loving it, actually. You'll hear in this episode that Chris loves being a part of the community that she's creating. Everyone that joins her program, she works with. If you send her a video, she sends a video back. It's awesome. Basically, what I learned in this episode was instead of waiting for babies to begin speaking, families can already be having meaningful communication with them. Tiny Hands Learning uses real ASL, while most programs are outdated and teach baby sense, which are just made up, apparently. I'll let Chris really take it from here. But as always, at the end of this episode, I'm going to share with you six steps to make this episode immediately actionable and help you out today. So now to my conversation with Chris Smook. Chris, thank you so much for joining us on the Nanny ABC's Next Step podcast. I'm so glad to have you here and to talk about baby sign language and everything surrounding it. Uh, thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm quite excited to be here. I guess I was wondering, just first thing off, why is baby sign language important? Baby sign language is so important because it not only boosts baby's brain development, but it helps reduce frustrations and tantrums. So in the past five years that I've been teaching baby sign language, I have learned that uh, I think the key component to this is that language is processed in the left side of the brain and visual stimuli is processed in the right side of the brain. So when we are using sign language while using spoken language with our little ones, we are engaging both sides of their brain simultaneously. And so with this research has shown that this results in earlier reading and larger vocabularies. 
at both spoken and reading vocabularies. Research has shown better grades in school. Also a 12-point average IQ advantage, which is pretty cool. Also, just getting down on your baby's level and actively engaging them in this way is just a really good bonding experience for you both. American Sign Language is not universal. There's uh, English, uh, British Sign Language, French Sign Language, Spanish Sign Language, and, and American Sign Language has its own rules and grammar, but we are not out in the deaf community at this point. We're just using the signs for home purposes. So you can use these signs in a universal way at home. So for right. if, if you say the word zebra in English or Spanish or whatever it may be, and then use the sign zebra, which is just like showing the stripes across the body. It can really tie those two languages together. And a lot of the signs that we use with the babies uh, are iconic signs. So they just make sense. Like they're visually appealing and appropriate and they're just easier for babies to understand. So doing baby sign language uh, just makes you smarter, basically. If you're really <laughs> going to boil it all the way down, it makes you feel better that you, your kids might be smarter and that's a giant plus in the world just because being smart is helpful all the time. Well, and babies are so smart. So giving them that means to communicate at such a wildly young age is amazing. Like my, I have a, a two-year-old and I, he's talking. I can understand him. My six-year-old can understand him, but he's definitely got his own little language going on. Other people uh, don't understand as well, but um, giving him the means to communicate the simple things starting when they're so young. I mean, he just wants to show me that he wants to go outside and look at the birds and, and the trees and, and the moon and like being able to be a part of all of that excitement, the, the simple excitement and the, the simple joys of when they're so young is such an, a wonderful experience. It's such a, a fun thing to to live through with him. So yeah, they, kids are, I, they're little sponges. And uh, I think using sign language with them really helps foster a love for learning at a very young age too. Is it hard uh, as an adult to like, under, like learn and like get practicing doing it? Well, the thing is that you don't need to know everything. So not really, because really it doesn't matter if you use five signs or a hundred signs. Signing with your little one, you're going to enjoy the benefits of, of what signing with your baby brings. So not, not really. I mean, some of the signs are harder. Uh, other programs that teach baby sign language usually use baby signs or made-up signs or home signs. I teach real ASL signs because I think it's important to teach them a real language. American Sign Language is the third uh, most commonly used language in America. So I think by teaching your child a real language, you could be opening up their doors in many different ways. So some of the signs, like for example, the sign for I love you it has um, three different handshapes all in one. Some of them are harder to produce, but no, you can do it. There's only, like I said, you only need a handful of signs. You don't need to learn the full language. Uh, what would be like the first sign? 
sign that someone would learn? The sign for more is by far the most popular sign to start off with. It's all about instant gratification, right? More of whatever it is that baby's asking for. Generally food or milk. Uh, milk is life when you're a baby. So those are probably more, the sign for more. Um, and then the sign for milk is also quite easy for them to produce. And then all done. Literally only if you use the signs more and all done, this will be a game changer for you. Just as opposed to the alternative when, you know, when baby's in their high chair and, and they want, um, they want more of something instead of them yelling at you or, you know, when they're all done, instead of them throwing their food on the floor, giving them those signs to use to communicate, especially during feeding time is extremely helpful. I imagine it changes the dynamic of the volume level in a house. Uh, intrinsically because you don't have to, you already are learning as an infant that you don't necessarily have to do one of the most common things that infants do is be vocal about whatever they need. Absolutely. Yeah. While other babies are are yelling and screaming uh, to get what they want, signing babies are learning to use simple phrases really to start communicating their wants and their needs. How early can you start doing baby sign language? I started signing with both of my boys right from day one. It's really a matter of whenever you are ready to start signing because when you do start signing it is a bit of a commitment. So that just means when you uh, commit to signing a word you should get excited about it and every time you use that word so anytime you hear it say it, read it in a book, sing it in a song. If somebody else says it, that's when you should get excited and say, we know how to sign that or just, you know, proceed to show them and demonstrate the sign. Babies generally start recognizing signs as a language or as a communication form around four months of age. And then babies generally have enough dexterity and coordination in their hands to start producing signs between six and nine months of age. But it is important to remember that all babies do things differently. And most of the babies that I know are determined to do things on their own terms, including my own children. So I started signing right with both of my kids uh, right from the beginning. And um, it's just amazing to see how fascinated they are. It just gives them adding signs to the same conversations that you've had with your kids just gives them a whole new visual interest to these conversations. But both of my boys made me wait until closer to 10 months until they started to sign back. So some of them will make you wait a little bit longer. But then by 18 months, both my boys had, uh, I want to say, 200, 250 signs in their daily vocabulary. And we're signing like crazy. By two, they were talking and the signs started dropping. But babies don't really master their vocal cords until closer to three years of age. It's worth the wait. Having these signs to help clarify things that they are trying to say is is extremely helpful through that toddler stage. And, and even beyond, you will see kids really hang on to it, the sign for please. I'm pretty sure um, all of my signing families 
tell me that anytime that their their kids really want something, you better believe the sign for please is going to come out. And like you said, it's just providing a different atmosphere at home. Like I could tell my children something from way across the room, you know, without needing to yell. It, it, you mm. just don't realize how helpful having these signs could be. Like when I'm on the phone with somebody and they're like right here trying to to ask me questions and I can just give them a quick response or ask them to wait or when they're FaceTiming with uh, Nana and Grandpa and I'm reminding them to say please and thank you and use their manners you know, it's just simple things like that. And, or I remember, um, I started David in soccer when he was two, which was way too young. I don't know what I was thinking, but, um, he'd be running out on the soccer field. He'd be asking for water or whatever he needed. And I could remind him to pay attention or to do whatever in in these simple signs. So it is, beyond just the baby stage age that these signs could be helpful. As you're saying all of this, you're doing the signs for a lot of it. And you're doing the signs like before you say what you're talking about. So I'm like seeing a sign, it's kind of cool because it's visual. Like you're getting there before you get there otherwise. And when you're talking about the times that you can be using it, it, I'm just immediately flashing to like when I've been like at the playground and I want to tell the child that I'm with something from across the way and my don't do that stare doesn't really work from too far away. And you don't want to yell thumbs up is like what I would do. And like a, a large head nod no is like what we do, but like you can do these other things uh, like you could use, you could be using sign language to convey this over a large distance. And it's kind of blowing my mind what, like how uh, you could just be using it so casually Is there a time it's too late to be doing this? No, not at all. There's no such thing as too much language exposure. I actually have parents and um, caregivers that tend to wait. Some people are ready to do it right away. And, And I have other families who decide to wait until they're closer to that year mark and a little more desperate for language because by that age, they'll just pick it up so quickly because they're just so ready to express themselves and communicate their wants and needs. But no, there's there's no like right or wrong age to start. Like I said, it's really a matter of whenever you're ready. But when you do start, I, I recommend starting slow. It's supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to feel overwhelming. So that's why if you start with just a few signs and then you can just gradually add more and more to your everyday vocabularies. But so the sign for more and all done and milk and food are great ones to start with, but also the sign for like bath. So when, you know, this is something that baby generally enjoys doing, it's something that we do uh, every day. And so these are good ones to add into your vocabularies, but Also, like you were saying, with being able to communicate when you're not just right next to the children. So the sign for help is one of those when children are trying to figure out their independence and don't really want to admit that they need help. This, for whatever reason, it feels easier for them to ask for help using a sign than verbally admitting that. So offering them the sign for help is extremely helpful for us too, because we can, we can just look at them, ask if they want us to help, 
or, you know, just let them know that we are there and ready and willing to help and kind of wait to see if that sign comes out because you don't always just want to jump in there and do it for them. You know, they're, they're trying to figure out their independence and, and all of that, but giving them that sign to use before they get frustrated is extremely helpful. Yeah. It's really interesting that a child would feel more comfortable expressing it visually than saying it. And I'm trying to think, does that happen to you just naturally as well? Like, is it easier sometimes for you to sign something first before saying it verbally? I guess we actually were saying you were just doing that naturally before. Do you think in signs? How does that work? I do. Yeah. I love when I dream in signs. I do. Uh, Again, American Sign Language is different than English word order. So when I'm signing and talking at the same time, it makes me stop. It's a delay, really. It's because I need to think about what I'm saying. Sign language is really signing meaning instead of just signing the English words. So when we're signing an ASL, Mm. we're not using the articles like the signs for the or and and so on. We're really just turning the words into a picture. So I demonstrate this like on my online course, I demonstrate this using the itsy bitsy spider. So I'll just show you just like um, the itsy bitsy spider climbed up the water spout. But when you turn it into American Sign Language, we set up the water spout and then we show him climbing up. So that's like a very simple way to kind of show the difference. Signing and talking, I'm totally signing in English word order, which is an ASL, but it's actually called Pigeon Sign Language. It's a mix of American Sign Language and English, and it brings it together. And so that's um, what most hearing, especially when you're first learning, that's the most um, common mixture of the two. So it's not until you're like far in the deaf community and interpreting world that... um, your skills get so advanced that you're signing fluently in American Sign Language. I do. I love, I mean, I, if I'm eating and like my mouth is full, if I'm on the phone, if um, I'm somewhere where it's loud, if I'm drinking, signs just come out and people are like, Chris, we don't, we don't know sign language. And I'm like, well, you should learn because <laughs> I got a lot to say. Yeah, it's helpful. It's just intrinsically helpful. How did you even start your journey into ASO? I was homeschooled when I was young, and my mom and dad signed me up for every class under the sun. And so sign language was one that I just fell in love with. I want to say I was seven years old when I took my first ASL class. I didn't really become a part of the deaf community until I started college. Once I found out that there was an interpreting program at uh, CU, Colorado University, it was game on. I was so excited. I signed up and then I just, I never stopped. I continued to to grow my skills. And then uh, when I graduated with my interpreting degree, I 
was a freelance interpreter. And so I bounced around all of the different areas. So I was like in the schools or in the hospitals. And then when I moved to Charlotte, I got pregnant with my first son. And when I had him, I decided that I wanted to stay home with him. Naturally, I just started signing with him, but I didn't really even know that baby sign language was a thing at that point. Um, But it wasn't long before I had new mom friends who were asking me where they could learn, only to find out Charlotte didn't really have a location for me to send them. Mm -hmm. So I just started meeting with my new mom friends at the libraries and different parks and teaching them sign language. And then really, they are the ones who really made Tiny Hands Learning happen. They, They just helped me develop this little business. And I started bouncing around different wellness centers and prenatal like care centers around the Charlotte area. And it's been a really fun journey for me as a new mom myself. Yeah. What was the hardest part in developing your course? When I first started my, um, my classes, it all just really seemingly happened naturally. It was just, I was learning as I went. And then when COVID hit in March, I obviously had to cancel all of my classes and events, just like everybody else in the world. And I started getting requests to teach virtually. And I've learned a lot. Me and technology are not always friends, but we have come a long way. And I've just met so many incredible people through this journey. And I I had another amazing mom who set up this account for me and and helped get all of my videos on Teachable. And she made it really easy for me. So it's been really fun. This has now allowed me to connect to new people like you and new communities like yours, which is really exciting. And I think that these videos are actually a piece that has been missing from my program ever since the beginning because I used to have families come to classes and we would learn. I'd overwhelm everyone with signs and then they'd go home and I'd send them home with a piece of paper and some handouts about what we learned. But really, it's so hard to see how something is moving or or which direction or where it's located on a piece of paper. So having these videos for them to refer back to is actually probably even better because this is something that once you sign up for the class, you have lifetime access for. And so now I'm partnering up with a new local music therapist and we're just continuing to grow the course and and she's jamming on her guitar and I'm signing side by side and it's been really fun. It's been a learning process, but it's been a lot of fun and it's allowed me to connect to so many new people and grow my community. So I'm excited about that. That's great. What's the biggest difference between your course and any other one that's out there? I think the biggest difference is that most of the other baby sign language courses are six-week commitments and they're very expensive. And my course is a one-time, it's $45 to sign up, but then you can really watch the videos and do your own studying at your own pace. 
So like I said, when you first start, I recommend starting slow and then gradually adding more signs. I have it broken down. So the first section is all need-based signs, you know, food, all done, more milk, the ones that we talked about. And then the second part is more want-based signs. This is just signs that you can learn as your baby, you know, starts showing you different interests that they have. And then I just added a whole new section for continued learning. So this is really for kids of all ages. I teach you conversation starters in ASL and, and stuff like that. So I think probably the other thing that makes me stand out is that when you sign up for my class, you are joining our community. And so I really make sure that I connect personally with, with everybody who signs up. And then I send them follow-up videos and they send me videos of their baby signing. And I think that's kind of the coolest part is we have really developed friendships through this class, which is awesome. That's so uplifting. You're telling me all of this stuff and I think you're going to be crazy successful, but I just feel it coming off of you. You just sound like it's so natural for you to be teaching people this and you're just helping them out. All of the benefits are so intrinsically just part of life. It just makes a lot of sense. I hardly know you at all and I'm so proud of you. This is really (laughs) helpful and so amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for joining me. This has been really fun. Thank you so much, Daniel. Thank you so much for listening. That's my conversation with Chris Smoot, creator of Tiny Hands Learning. Now, let's make this podcast immediately actionable, as always. One, start slow. Use only five to ten signs. Two, commit. Use the signs you know every time you hear them, say them, read them. You say, oh, I know that sign. Chris says all of this stuff in the episode, but remember, if you hear it in a song, you dance it out and you, you know, use the sign. Three, practice. Use the manual alphabet every day. Practice counts. It matters. Four, involve other family members. The more, the merrier. Ah, I can't make it simpler than that. But like, remember how Chris said that she loves talking when she has like food in her mouth. She, she's signing. You can all just talk to each other. You know, if you have food in your mouths now. Five, actively engage when you're signing with your baby. Get down on their level. Make eye contact. Use facial expressions. Six, this is an important one. Have fun with it. And don't worry about learning it all at once. You can gradually add more to your everyday vocabularies as you become more comfortable with the visual language. To start using the course, go to tinyhandslearning.teachable.com. Go to their website, www.tinyhandslearning.com. Go to their Facebook, www.facebook.com slash tinyhandslearning. And their Instagram, as you guessed it, www.instagram.com slash tinyhands.learning. That's our episode today. Hope you found it insightful. Uh, like it, share it, give us a review. And when you're ready, reach out to me at dannyjnanny at nannyabcs.com and let me know how I can be helping you better. That's all. All right, share, subscribe, and enjoy. Till next week, bye-bye. If you would like to work directly with Nanny ABCs or add Next Step to your agency, go to nannyabcs.com to find out more and connect.